0: Lori McDevitt of Advocacy for the Special Ones in Your Life has been a certified special education advocate for 30 years. Lori brings her wealth of knowledge and experience to the IEP team, partnering with parents to navigate the process of special education. In this podcast series, Lori speaks with colleagues from the educational field, addressing a variety of issues. Her hope is that these conversations will both inform and inspire parents.
1: So welcome today. I am sitting here with John Felle and he refers to himself as a single special parent needs dad. So John, welcome to my podcast, and I will give you the floor to better introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you being a single special needs father.
0: Sure, thanks, Lori. it's great to be here. Um, so yes, I, I always like to start these conversations off by saying I am uh, a single dad, uh, so to speak, so I am divorced and I have joined custody of my son, Chris, who is 14, and he is on the autism spectrum and also nonverbal uh, and is a freshman in high school currently. And um, I I always like to identify myself as a parent first, because although I I currently do a lot of work, both in terms of my day job and also personally, Mm -hmm. in terms of supporting special needs families and working with disability organizations and and just in a whole variety of ways, uh, just in terms of giving back and and volunteerism, um, you know, it all starts out with my experience and role as a parent. You know, that really was what motivated me to start out with. Uh, that's where the desire and the passion came from to work with, you know, with the special needs and disability community. And really, it all comes back to my son, just kind of, you know, inspiring me. And uh, and as I like to say, even without a word, because literally there aren't many words there. Um, you know, he has helped to motivate um, all the work that I do quite honestly. And, um, uh, so I really do all it owe to him. I owe it all to him in, in a weird sense. Uh, but I think for a lot of us, uh, for sure, that's kind of how we all get started, uh, in terms of that. And, you know, unfortunately I do define myself as a, as a single parent, you know, the product of divorce certainly. And, uh, and I think we all know how high those divorce rates are for us, special needs folks as well. Um, you know, however, we have a, a good relationship and a good working relationship as co-parents and, uh, Regardless of that feature in terms of our family structure, um, you know, it doesn't take away from my responsibility, but also my desire to be the best possible dad I can I can be to my son.
1: Well, that's awesome. We really appreciate that. And uh, I love that you just kind of put it out there that this is who you are. And this is part of your story. And I'm sure there's others who can totally relate to that as well. So you mentioned a little bit about you know your son being your motivator or your um, passion or your you know reason for your work and your ministry. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would tell you that I, I started out really like most parents uh, and and specifically most dads, really just with. A lot of questions, a lot of anxiety, fear, and and, and just confusion, just really not knowing what this was going to be. And, and, you know, for me personally, I think a lot of it came down to the different dynamics between moms and dads, because I, I think the normal with um, a disability here is that you have situations where um, mom tends to be the one who kind of bears the brunt of carrying the responsibility for whether it is... Uh, finding the uh, finding the doctors, finding the specialists, making the appointments, all of those things. And in in my case, in terms of our family, you know, my ex-wife was was great at that and she still is. Uh, But I had to figure out, you know, what did I do? What was my role? You know, in my case specifically, I wasn't the breadwinner, even though I worked, I still didn't make as much money as her. And then on top of that, um, you know, I wasn't the one who was really filling the role that she was because, you know, She very much had a type A go get him personality, and so I kind of stepped out of the way, and I think most men in those situations do that as well, uh, for good or for bad. So for me, I had to figure out what can I really contribute here, and so um, over time, I tried to find ways just to give back, to connect with other dads, to just find resources in my own way. Um, I started a kind of a, a fledgling in person, uh, dads group that would meet in person in our community in Northbrook at the time. You know, about ten years ago, and I had some different iterations of that that both worked and didn't work. And then about five years ago, um, I decided that I, I kind of had a hankering for writing, and I've always wanted to write and be a writer. And so um, I connected with a woman uh, who's also a special needs mom uh, through a. A family retreat we used to attend for special needs families, which actually still goes on. And interestingly enough, I now work for the organization that puts them on, which is Johnny and Friends, which I'll I'm sure I'll speak about later. And um, we met there and connected. And you know, I explained to her, "Hey, I'm looking to do some writing. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to write a book. I don't think I'm ready for that, but you know, I'd love to kind of share my story a little bit." And so she encouraged me to blog for a small disability ministry that she worked with up in uh, southern Wisconsin. I didn't know if I was a if that was something i wanted to do you know would i be good at it it wasn't my thing but i tried it turned out great um i took to it and i was doing okay at it and then about six months later that organization got merged with a larger national uh disability ministry called key ministry which is based out of out of ohio the cleveland area and i started writing for them and so i was on a little bit of a bigger stage and uh, you know there were people who are now my writing partners who were very well known. Authors, presenters—you know, all over the country—type of a thing. Um, I got to present at some conferences. I got to write for some other organizations. Uh, you know, some faith-based, faith-based, faith-based disability stuff. I got that out, and uh, and even had a few things published on the Mighty as well. You know, as well as a variety of podcasts such as this. So, um, with all of that, you know, i have been doing that for several years, and then, um, you know, I've been a teacher most of my professional career, and I was teaching special ed in my last role in in Chicago. And uh, interestingly enough, what I I guess I didn't realize was that there may have been a little bit of a divine intervention there because I was actually doing a lot of work that was preparing me for my current role. So I got word earlier this year that my current school was going to be closing due to a lack of enrollment and kind of taking the the hits still from the COVID pandemic. And then uh, a month later after I got that word, this was still in the spring, I was in a, a networking group that I belonged to for... Uh, churches and faith-based organizations that support disability ministry here locally in the in the Chicago area, and I uh, connected with who is now my current boss uh, and my area director at our local Johnny and Friends office, who said we're hiring for a relations manager role. You know, you, you've got a lot of experience with this; you'd be good at it. Why don't you just apply? So I did, and I went through four interviews. And four interviews later, I'm now in that role. Nice to say, and so what I do is I work for Johnny Friends, which if folks don't know is a global uh, faith-based disability organization. They've been around over forty years. The story of the founder, which I won't totally get into now, is an incredible one. So if you don't know her story, Johnny Erickson Tada, I strongly suggest you check it out online, YouTube, etc. And, um, you know, we support, again, churches, faith-based organizations and secular organizations with a variety of tools, resources, trainings. Specifically, I work with a lot of churches to help them form and help to bolster disability ministries within their churches where those folks need to be served, um, as well as work with a whole variety of other organizations as well. So I'm pleased to say that it's my day job. You know, and it's my night job and weekend job, because, you know, when I'm not doing my day job, I'm doing stuff like this, you know, talking to you, for example. Uh, and then, of course, when I have my son, you know, then I'm a parent, you know, and then I remember why I'm doing it in the first place, because, um, you know, it's one thing to have these you know, conversations and be on a stage where you can talk about these things. But the bottom line is, is that I'm still in the trenches like every other parent. And I'm, uh, you know, going through the motions in the process of, you know, having to deal with, you know one more issue with our child or, you know, whatever comes up. But, uh, you know, it's it's a constant reminder of, again, why you're doing it and uh, and why you love doing it, because, you know, quite frankly, we love our kids and that's probably all the motivation you need.
1: That's awesome. Now, that's that's a great history about where you came from and how you ended up doing what you're doing. And I really appreciate that. Um, I do want to just ask a couple, you know, big, a little deeper type questions. Um, what is one of the favorite topics that you like to talk about on stage? Like, what do you like to present on? What do you like to um, write about? What's what's your kind of go to? If somebody says, "Hey, are you able to present?" or "Are you able to write?"
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, in in terms of broad type of subject areas, um, I, I really speak to special needs parenting from a motivational experiential standpoint. Um, with more of a laser focus on dads and even more of a laser focus on special needs dads and single special needs dads. Right. So I I like to tell my story and I like to frame it in such a way where I really relate. Listen, you know, I, I have been through again, the trenches, I'm, I'm doing the grunt work like all of you, but you know, I, I really speak to just those little bright spots, those times when the sun kind of peeked through the crack in the wall or the window and, and you, you just had, this epiphany of, wow, you know, my, my son was able to accomplish this or this was such a great experience or this was such a blessing to kind of move you forward. So um, I, I really like to just speak to parents on their level and especially with dads, because, you know, dads really in general, I think, have a harder time either communicating their feelings or dealing with some of the guilt and shame that goes along with parenting in this context, especially for men. Um, because it does look differently than it does for women and and it does look different you know kind of based on you know the different roles that that men and women take on in that dynamic so I really like to speak to men talking about how to not only support their families and their children better but how to get support for themselves because you know one thing that I I always like to say is if COVID taught us anything it really taught us the need for self-care and it taught us the need to really address you know kind of the you know, keeping our own house, you know, internally kind of tidy and, and looking at, you know, some of the things that either are stressors for us or, or some of the ways in which we're not really getting supported emotionally, spiritually, physically, you know, uh, just in terms of that whole global uh, type of way that you that you care for yourself. And so, um, you know, looking at how men are getting support, right? Are they getting it at all? And if not, you know, what does that look like? So really looking at, those support pieces and where men can find them and how they can find them. And again, a lot of these things can apply to men and women equally, but you know, I really like to speak in the dads and, you know, in terms of writing, I, I will tell you that I I have a penchant. If anybody looks at any of my, my writing online, uh, I, I, do tend to write a bit and I do tend to write a little bit long, just like I speak a little bit long. But
1: (laughs) I didn't say that, John, you did. (laughs)
0: Yeah, right, exactly. Right. And, you know, but but the one thing I'll say is I, I appreciate and I enjoy getting into the grit and the detail of really doing this type of parenting. So if I communicate something in terms of an experience or a perspective I have. I really, really like to make sure that, you know, parents get like, look, I've, I've been there, done that, and I'm still doing that now. So, you know, I, I have no problem being transparent and getting into it. But, but I think that, again, part of that process also is understanding that as special needs parents, we experience things that typical parents do not. And even some of the things that might seem more typical or, you know, kind of, you know, regular parenting type of a thing. It, it's still going to have a different look to it. It's, there's still going to be a tweak or a wrinkle to it. that That is just, you know, not not something that a lot of other parents can necessarily relate to. And so that's where I really like to connect with parents on that level to say, hey, I, I've been there in those moments where, yeah, this is different. This is harder. This is more challenging. But again, it's it's a way for parents to know that they're seen and they're heard. And, you know, you can connect with them on that level.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a real gift that you give parents. So, um, I think that's awesome. So, what would you say to a dad? Let's let's just say you know you speak to dads and and you want them to understand what self care is. I can imagine that if they are in a mode of I'm providing, I'm working, I'm. I am taking care of my family. What are some ways that self-care can fit into all of that? Like, how does a man stop and say, okay, how can I self-care? Can you give us some examples of what that might look like?
0: Definitely. So, you know, here, here here's the thing about men kind of processing these things. And and the one thing I want to start start out with is the fact that I personally have done lots of self-care throughout my life. You know, I have, you know, gone to counseling, you know, certainly with with my ex-wife, but, you know, I've also had friends that were counselors. I've done counseling just because I've done the meditation, I've done the prayer, I've done the journaling, I've done all those things. Most men don't necessarily take to those things, you know, naturally or automatically, and that's fine. I, I think where you start out with is you start out on just the easiest surface level stuff. Men need other guys to talk to, to relate to, to connect with. Now, here's the thing as a special needs parent, you may have guy friends. You may have guy friends that are parents who can relate to some of the challenges of raising kids in general. Um, But, you know, again, as I, as I, you know, kind of shared, you know, we also go through experiences that are totally different than, you know, what a normal parenting, you know, kind of setup might look like. And so, it's great to have support that are that that shows up in terms of dads that are not special needs parents but you also need those guys too those guys to say hey how did you navigate this issue with behavior or what are you doing about the schools what are you doing about ieps what are you doing about long term planning right you need those guys too because at the end of the day i know it from myself early on when when my son was still young and talking to some of my oldest friends who loved me and cared about me they still couldn't relate, you know, as guys who were married or guys that had kids. It was still different. So you need those men to connect with, and that's where I strongly recommend getting into some kind of a support group. There is a lot that I'm connected with, either in person or online, virtually, and and you know they they're, they exist and they're around. You know, maybe they're a little bit fewer and far between than a lot for the moms or the women, because I think. You know, again, the moms kind of tend to take that a little bit more naturally. But the easiest thing to do is just find a guy to talk to. If you don't have one guy to talk to, get one, start there and, and just make that about that relationship. And then in terms of other ways of self-care, you know, uh, men are doers and men are fixers. And one of the hardest thing about men being special needs parents is that they, they just can't fix their kid. Right. Or, you know, no amount of money you make may be enough to cover all of the expenses or, or if it is, that means maybe you're working longer or harder. So, so you have to remember that you need to find carve out that time and space for yourself, do something that you enjoy. You know, if it's, you know, going, you know, if it's going to work out, if it's going to coffee or, or having a beer with a buddy, if, you know, if, if you like, you know, sports, you know, and, you know, maybe there's, you know, something active you want to do that way, whether you you play some pickup sports or you go fishing or you do whatever, or even if you just want some quiet time to sit and read if you're a little bit more cerebral that way. But in terms of that, it it doesn't, it's not as much about the activity you do. It's about finding the space and time to do it, as well as acknowledging that you need to give yourself space and time to do it. So the one thing that I always Always emphasize to families, you know, men, women, et cetera, is having a calendar, having a calendar for your family and having a calendar for your relationship. And I don't just mean a calendar where, you know, all your kids' schedules are on. I mean, you can certainly have that and you need that. But make sure that you carve out some of that time on that calendar to know, okay, you know, if you're married, talk to your wife, hey, this is your time on such and such days, such and such hours. This is when you can go get your space and time, do your self-care. And now these are my days and times to do my self-care, whatever that looks like. Because if you're not allowing yourself that space and time, it really doesn't matter because you won't have space and time to do it. So you need to acknowledge that you need that time. You need to work with your partner, work with your spouse to make sure that that you're giving it to, to both of you. Because- That was one big pitfall we had early on in our marriage was that we weren't acknowledging that we both needed it and we weren't giving it a structure and we weren't, you know, giving a name to things. And so I think when you do that, I think it smooths a lot of things out. It saves a lot of arguments, that's for sure. But it also ensures that, hey, I know that on Tuesday from five to nine or six to eight, this is my day to do whatever. Great. That's your day to do it. And so you can look forward to it and take advantage of it, but also know that it's also fair to you to say then, okay, you know, I, I may not be able to take five days a week, you know, just like, you know, you, your, your spouse might not be able to either, but that is still your time and take your time and use it wisely and, and and own it and make sure that you're, you're giving it to yourself as well.
1: Awesome. I think that's great advice for literally All families, but yeah, those families of special needs kids, um, even more so, you know, absolutely. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, I know you talked a little bit about the emotions involved, and I don't want to. I I don't I don't want to just skate right over those. You know, you mentioned some pretty heavy duty emotions like guilt and shame and fear and confusion. And I just, you know, I wanted to just take a moment and acknowledge that, that all parents go through it, but special needs parents go through it differently, maybe go through it more in depth, more deeply. I I can't even imagine what um, you have gone through. So can you just take a moment and just speak to that, you know, to say, acknowledge that yes, you know in the beginning there was fear and there was confusion um and then there was guilt and shame and you wanted to fix it um and as you know transparent as you could be as you know emotional as you can be i think that's the depth that some of the listeners want to hear is to say i'm not alone in the fear the confusion the guilt and the shame john does that make sense
0: It absolutely does. And that is exactly what I speak to. And I am not afraid to speak to it either. So, um, you know, going back to, you know, when our son was really young, we were first dealing with, you know, the the diagnosis and, you know, things aren't even very clear in the beginning either. Um, You know, you you talk to some doctors and specialists and, and they lead you down some roads. And, you know, really, we didn't have a clear diagnosis for probably about a good year and a half, almost two years that we started to realize that something might be wrong here. But again, one of the problems is that it, it really goes back to the dynamics in in a marriage, you know, and, and who mom and dad are individually and as parents, because, you know, again, I what I saw was I really was powerless to address this. First of all, because, again, I, I couldn't fix it. And even if I found someone or something that was able to fix it, I couldn't pay for it, you know, whatever that was going to be, assuming it's something exorbitant. Right. Um, you know, and we, we just couldn't do that. And so, again, what I naturally saw was was my ex use her gifts and tools and talents to kind of take over. And, and you know, understandably so, you know, this, the, there wasn't any initial resentment or anything. But the problem becomes and I think this, this is an issue with most marriages is that each person has to figure out, OK, what do I do? You know, what is my contribution here? Because the problem is that most men and I've heard this from guys and women is that most times what what guys, what the men do and the and the fathers do in these situations is that they put themselves into their work and they jump into their work and they work harder and they work longer. I'm going to make money. I'm going to pay for these things because these are things my kid needs. And that's great. No one is saying that there's anything negative about that. But the issue then becomes when all of the day-to-day nuts and bolts you know all of the minutia of scheduling and communicating with doctors and specialists and all these things more naturally falls on the mom and i'm not saying it's exclusive because there are dads out there that help with that and are a part of that but it's just kind of how it all naturally falls into place and so then of course the problem becomes okay dad may be working harder dad may be working longer dad may be making a lot of good money but because he's working harder and longer he's not around as much He's not helping in these other areas. And so now a disconnect is forming. And then that develops resentment on the side of mom, on the side of the wife. And then it falls into, you know, the guilt and the shame on the part of the dad. Well, I wish I could have done more. I'm doing everything I can. What else do you expect me to do? But a lot of it is just about being present, right? And and being present doesn't mean that you're a stay at home dad or you work from home all the time. But there has to be an engagement, there has to be a natural engagement with your partner to say, okay, look, these are the ways that you can help, you know, I'm going to check in with you, I want to know what's going on, tell me what help or support that you need in these areas, so that it doesn't turn into something that then also naturally becomes okay, well, you know, you're not, um, you're not helping. Um, in these situations and so now I've got a problem and oh by the way we're either going to go for counseling or therapy or else um, you know we might we might have to have an impasse here that's going to lead to a separation or divorce and that's that's kind of the the shaky road that these things frequently go down so the problem is it really comes down to communication but it's also an awareness of again what does my partner do well what do they do well and how can they help? And again, you know, the, the big message that I always give to men that I always give to guys is guys, look, this is not about your checkbook. Okay. This is not about how much money you make in the end. This is about your contribution, whether that's financially or financially, definitely, but it, you should not define your value by your finances, by your pocketbook. Your value is the sum total of a variety of factors. And if you're just putting yourself in that box of I'm the breadwinner, then you will suffer, your marriage will suffer, and your family will suffer as a result of it because you're not engaging on all of the different levels. And that's easier said than done, and I get it. And I'm sure there could be people out there listening to this and saying, okay, yeah, but you know, I work, I do just fine, we have our stuff together. We know our lanes and our roles and that's fine. And you know what, if it is great, you know, for some families that does work. But I think if you're not communicating those things, then you're setting yourself up for trouble later. So at the very least, there has to be communication with your partner. There has to be an understanding of what your roles are. And there has to be an appreciation that, yes, you know what, my wife does this great. If I did it, I would just mess it up. Um, Likewise, you know, this is what I do well. And you know what, I want to take pride in that. And, you know, maybe my wife doesn't want anything to do with that. That's great. But at least you've communicated that. You've had that understanding and you maintain that understanding and you move forward with it. And then, of course, as problems come up, because they always do, you at least have a foundation that you can work from moving forward.
1: That's great. No, I really appreciate you addressing those things. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you, uh, your transparency with that. Um, we're going to go ahead and um, move on and just kind of ask a couple of last questions. I know we talked a little bit about like, what is your mission? Like, what is your hope to accomplish, John? Tell us a little bit about that.
0: My mission really is to engage and bring awareness wherever I go. Uh, as a parent, as someone who represents uh, a, a global disability organization as someone who works with a bunch of smaller disability organizations around the country. But but really, it's just to, and I know that this is going to come across as cliche, and I really don't like to be cliche, but you know it really is kind of what's in my heart. And it is that I need to leave this world, and I'm going to stress that word need, I need to leave this world a better place when I am gone for my kid. Now, here's why. Because the cliche part is that a lot of people can say that or parents can say that or educators, you know, that which I was for years can say that. But here's the deal. When you're a special needs parent, and especially in my case, you know, my son is an only child. Uh, I'm an only child. My ex-wife is an only child. We don't have a lot of extended family. Someday when my ex-wife and I are physically not here on this earth anymore, our son will be alone now. Does that mean he won't have caretakers? Does that mean he won't have, you know, people that are going to see to his needs or maybe some other, you know, family floating around, you know, especially years from now? Well, sure, maybe. But at the end of the day, if I'm not here and his mom is not here, you know, we are his two main pillars of support. So what is the world going to look like for him? Who are the people that, you know, forget about taking care of him. I mean, yeah, that that is an important thing. But who are the people that are going to love him? Who are the people that are going to give him that hug on his birthday or, you know, wish him a a Merry Christmas or, you know, whatever holiday you celebrate? You know, who are those people who are going to speak into his life, not because they're just paid to, but because they care? And that's what I need to see. I need to see that this is a world that will be gentle and loving for him when I'm gone, because I can't protect him and mom can't protect him. And this is a hard thing for special needs families to wrap their heads around. And for typical parents, because typical parents, you know, okay, so-and-so is going to grow up and hopefully go to college or get a job or eventually take care of themselves and do this, that, or the other thing. Not mine. And, And that's okay. But that is my biggest fear. And that is why I do this work is because when I do leave this world totally and finally, I need to know he's going to be okay. And there's no way I ever will really know that. Um, But at the same time, I know that I can do as much as I can now so that when that day comes, I can feel a lot better about it than maybe I do today or a year from now, maybe 20, 30 years from now, I'll feel much better about it than I do today. And then that's great because not only then have I helped his situation, but hopefully I've helped the situation of some other families and some other kids out there. And, you know, that's just, that would just be a a, a great blessing for everybody, you know, that that you encounter and and that you work with, so.
1: Perfect. No, and I think that's great, John. If others wanted to support you in your mission, join your mission, learn more about you, how do they find you? What's an easy way for them to find you so that they could get support from you or support your mission? Because I'm sure it's a shared mission.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's a few ways. So first of all, um, as I like to famously say, you can punch my name into the Google machine and find me. But, uh, you know, I have a website. It's just my name, com, And uh, you can look at some of the work that i do some of the organizations i partner with see some of my presentations and listen to my podcast etc uh but again if you punch me into google you'll see i'm all over social media please feel free to connect with me on social media on facebook i have a couple of, of pages uh and all of the other platforms instagram uh twitter etc um and then also too um if you're interested in my day job so to speak uh which is johnny and friends you can reach out to me at johnny and friends Uh, either Johnny and Friends Chicago or Johnny and Friends Illinois. If you go on that website, you can uh, connect with our office directly. So if you are someone who attends a church or works with any type of a faith-based disability organization, and maybe you are looking for some support specifically in that way, that is specifically what my organization uh, works with. And so I can help you with resources, training, supports, et cetera. Um, And also please know for all the dads out there, I work with a variety of men's organizations that are specific to supporting dads. I run a special needs dad's meetup in Northbrook that meets, um, which is a north, north purpose of Chicago that meets monthly. I'm also in a couple of virtual ones as well. So I encourage you to reach out to me either through social media, or, um, you know, or, you know, find me on the website, et cetera. And I can certainly connect you with those resources. Um, so again, there, there's really probably no stupid question and there's no question too far out of, out of my box. Uh, if I can't help you, I'll definitely find a person to help you. Uh, but I would love to connect with you uh, no matter what.
1: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, John. Do you have any final words, anything else you want to say that we did not cover?
0: I would just like to encourage everyone um, as parents, as the the guardians and caretakers of our kids, this is not easy. This is not easy at all. Um, But again, I hope that, you know, through listening to this conversation, you found a little bit of hope to kind of brighten your day and get you down the road a little bit. Um, and again, most of all, this is a conversation about community. We cannot do this alone. So if you don't have community, please, please, I encourage you, go get some community. And if you're not sure where to start, especially if you're a guy, please reach out to me because I would love to help you with that. But this is also a conversation about reaching out to people that can help you can support you and can help move you down the road because all of us need that regardless of whether it's a good day or bad, regardless of our child's age or condition, we all need each other. So please encourage one another and please be encouraged by what you've heard today, hopefully.